Hey, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another one-on-one. And joining me today, I have Kurt Cratchman, who's the COO with Grapeshot. Welcome. Kim, thank you very much. Glad to be here. And uh, you're telling me you're based in New York, but you're actually doing a lot of traveling now as COO because of new offices? That's correct. Um, Grapeshot has expanded uh, quite a bit in the past uh, 18 months, and not only has our headcount grown, but our uh, market penetration has also grown. So much so that our customers have always been global, but now we need to service them globally. So we're opening up offices in Los Angeles, San Francisco, um, Hong Kong, uh, Shanghai, uh, and then earlier, la- uh, late last year, we opened up in Sydney. Uh, so now we have about 12 offices. Nice. And as COO, I guess you must be pretty hands-on with getting the offices up and running. I am hands-on. We have a we have a very good process. We call it a franchise model, mm-hmm. where we create um, a very clear guide for those offices. We hire the right people and let them have full uh, autonomy to go do what they need to do to get the get the job done. So on the one hand, it's hands-on, mostly in process. But once we have process set up, um, it's it's tremendous amount of um, distributed uh, autonomy. Right, excellent. Now let's talk a bit about Grapeshot itself. I did some research and one thing that surprised me, and maybe it's wrong, I saw the company's been around since 1992. So whatever it's doing today must be very different from what it started out doing. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. It a, has a long history between the co-founders, um, John Snyder, who's the current CEO, and Martin Porter, who is the uh, chief scientist and the uh, developer of Grapeshot's core technology, which is a language called Grapes, and the actual applications as we see today. Um, Those two were collaborated at Cambridge University. Uh, They built businesses from there. They sold a few. And then this version of Grapeshot, which has only been in the United States for approximately four years, Uh is really the latest iteration. There are previous names, previous applications, but the collaborative effort of the core team, uh, which extends to other members from uh, Sean Ed to Andy and and others, um, have been together for a long time. That's pretty impressive in this uh, technological age where things move at such a speed, so it's a solid team by the sound of it. Yeah, I think it's a testament to John Snyder uh, and his focus on uh, community and building the right culture Mm -hmm. and finding the right people to add value to that culture. Excellent. Well, let's talk about what Grapeshot's doing today. And the thing I I focused on, reading about the company, learning about it, is um, two things, I guess, contextual marketing and the advanced keyword technology, which seem to me clearly to go together. And I do want to come on to talking about some brand safety issues, but maybe we could start just by talking about Grapeshot's central offering. Sure. So Grapeshot is a real-time marketing intelligence and optimization company. And What that means, and sort of what we do, is we provide live context marketing. So we we know that customers are everywhere. We know that they're searching, they're having conversations, they're sharing uh, their interests, and they have opinions on all kinds of things, social media, right? Which creates a really ripe uh, marketplace uh, for digital media. We we try to extract that wealth of keyword-centric insight. So we collect it for our customers, we analyze it, we harness it so that they can be better connected. Um, and we do that for about 10,000 brands. Wow, that is a lot. It is impressive. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, all, a lot of those brands are interfacing with us through platforms. Mm-hmm. So they're interfacing with us directly. Um, and those platforms that we service are major 
ad tech platforms like AOL and Trade Desk and AppNexus, MediaMath, Turn, so on. Yeah. So what we, what we really do is we provide value for the marketers, and we help them uncover these hidden insights that give a more complete view of their own customers, which gives them um, effective and brand-safe uh, uh, marketing campaigns um, and continual improvement as they're as they're developing those campaigns. So yes, we're used for targeting. Yes, we're used for brand safety. Yes, we're used um, for insights and analytics, which is becoming a bigger part of our business. Um, at the end of the day, though, it still comes in the form of keywords. Yeah, and that's the contextual keywords. And so we're reading, uh, we're listening, and we're reading in hundred over 175 languages. Yeah, wow. Yeah. In in real time. No one else does that on almost every platform. And that is what, that's one of our unique selling propositions because we can do that. The speed at the scale, cost effectiveness, um, those are all some of our uh, selling, uh, selling attributes. That's remarkable. And clearly there's a machine learning component here because you don't have thousands of translators sitting there reading <laughs> the World Wide Web. Um, and, you know, I, I, I was seeing on your website you have... Uh, technology which learns as it runs. In other words, there's an automation to this and an automation which is self-improving. Is that right? That's, that's correct. Uh, we call it AI-powered keyword sequencing. It's an algorithm. It's, we call it, we have, we have a, um, a trademarked word rank uh, mm-hmm. uh, approach. And what that means is not only do we uh, are we reading the words, we're, we're looking at the corpus of the page, but we're telling you which words are important. And we give a ranking, a weighting to those. Now, Google might give a page rank, but we give a word rank. And that is a very important differentiation, especially when it comes to brand safety uh, and targeting. Because at the end of the day, what matters is which words you're targeting and why. And what's the context of those words against the placement of that advertising. Okay. So, um, just before we get on to brand safety, make sure I've got it clear. You're informing brands when it comes to them being able to... Uh, create audiences and purchase inventory for audiences in real time on the, through these various programmatic platforms. Have I got that about right? That's correct. And the shorthand for that is called marketing in the moment, okay. which is the uh, holy grail of any marketer, right? Why use data that's 30 days old mm-hmm. or longer? That's cookie data. We don't use any yeah. cookies. Everything is live. We don't hold on to any data. So as the market trend is going to go into more and more data privacy, data security, data um, uh, uh, cleansing, if you will, making sure that you get pure signal and no noise. We're, we're a leader in that space. Um, back to your question, though, GrapeShot does seek to deliver unrealized value from the keyword data that's found across the brand's marketing channels. And that's websites, social, CRM, uh, digital advertising, mobile, uh, all that big data. And we extract those hidden relationships across these platforms and, uh, and what we try to do is derive these actionable insights. So that's our, that's our insights half. And then we have the actionable half. Mm-hmm. We might call it in, in the world of ad tech, that's where we do the activation. Okay. Insights and activation. Activation, okay. And the, the activated audiences can then be fed into the, the programmatic environment. Yes, thank you. Okay. And, <laughs> and that programmatic environment is where, where we live in the pre-bid environment, yep. where people are using us uh, pre-bid. We have, of course, we have standard segments, but what, again, what makes us unique is that our custom segments outperform everything. A brand can develop a custom segment specific to their brand. You can't do that with a standard segment. That's right. just going after automotive. We'll give you 
automotive 4x4 color red, you know, 16-year-old, all the way down to what, <laughs> right. you know, what, you know, you can break that down. And then, and then how does that content that that, was, that that audience persona might be interested in, we can gather that no matter if they're reading in a social network or on a public, premium publisher website. Mm-hmm. And that from premium inventory to, to social media is what we, what we cover. And the custom segments have just, uh, they just ballooned. They just, yeah. It's incredible how many uh, agencies, trading desks, use our custom segments. And they, it's all self-service for them. Yeah, yeah. A machine. One one of the things we're really seeing with machine learning in a lot of contexts is the ability to develop all kinds of uh, custom audiences that the brands didn't even know were there. That's a great point. We, you mentioned machine learning. You went. You mentioned trending uh, or sort of how it keeps evolving. Mm-hmm. We we call it predictive. Mm-hmm. We have a. It's called Grape Shop Predicts. It's another product. Um, we developed it last year. We launched it at the Olympics with Nike. Um, and we proved to the world that you can listen to all these audiences multiple languages and then target in real time right. based on that feedback loop. Now, most people have keywords and segments that are static. They just go through the length of the campaign. Our keywords, the, one, the seed list that you start with, gets typically kicked out and replaced by the higher performing keywords that are ranked higher. And as a result, the uh, reach and the scale, uh, what we might call targeted scale or yeah. highly qualified scale um, is there, which gives a better return both for the end user, right, who you're targeting, but also obviously to the marketer um, and performance all around. The great thing about that is that these, um, what might, you might call latent or hidden insights, um, are fully transparent. So the brand can actually see which words evolved over time to tell them which ones were performing. I see. Right? Yep. And in yep. contrast, on other platforms, you have no transparency. And oftentimes you're buying sometimes thousands of keywords, and you're which, you don't know which one is actually delivering for you. Okay. We'll just say st- just buy the fourteen that matter, right? <laughs> Stop wasting your time. Makes right? a lot of sense. Okay, <clears throat> now I'm going to come on to the the other side of all this because the development of programmatic and the ability to bid on on ad inventory um, in real time at scale very fast has led to an unintended consequence for some brands, which is that they find they have been bidding on ad inventory in really inappropriate spaces. And they end up with a brand message and their brand alongside uh, inappropriate content, extreme political content. Even we saw a little while ago on YouTube, alongside terrorist-inspired video content. Brands don't like that. So that's another thing you're helping them out with, correct? That's right. Um, brand safety is one of our core uh, value propositions. And look, to, to, your, to what you were going after, when, when content is rotten, brand safety is a zero-tolerance game. But to make a statement like that, you have to back it up with process and sort of a, a thought leadership approach. And our beliefs at Grapeshot is that first we have to educate around brand safety methods pre-bid and post-bid, the positive and negative of both options, what works right for that brand. The second point is that we want to encourage brands to reduce the reliance on metrics that encourage risky practices, like click per action. Performance marketing, you're so keen on getting the result, you're willing to sort of lean in and create unnecessary risk for you in exchange for another view, another dollar, another sell, right? Right. And that creates a bit of tension. The third is that we want to encourage all parties, buyers, sellers, platforms, 
and brands to take brand safety seriously. Uh, as you saw from the flare-up that took place in March, which is what mm -hmm. you're referring to at the end of March, and it just became, started in the UK, yeah. right, came over to the US, and now it's become a global, uh, from China, wherever we go, we see brand safety as a topic of uh, highest priority, from P&G to Unilever to every brand downstream. Um, those are, uh, every brand invests tremendous amounts of dollars, yep. and that takes time to build up the brand value. And all of a sudden, when you see it showing up next to um, another piece of uh, inappropriate content, that the damage to the brand reputation um, is can be considerably high. The application, amplification of that story through outing, when yeah. other people keep talking <laughs> yeah. about it, which keeps making more embarrassment and makes it even worse, that's another, uh, uh, it just amplifies the original exposure. And then, and then there's just damning by association with a platform or a publisher um, that becomes under attack uh, because they've enabled the societal risk in the first place. Mm -hmm. That's what we saw with uh, Google or YouTube. So one of the things which must make this really challenging is the necessity to customize brand safety for brands, by which I mean that an, an inappropriate environment for one brand may be absolutely fine for another brand. And when you're dealing with thousands of brands, how do you get to grips with that? That's what makes Grapeshot unique. Uh, because of our scale and because of the cut, you can do custom uh, brand safety in real time. Uh, and for each brand, they can control, if there's breaking news that's inappropriate, they can immediately respond to it uh, because we're crawling every URL. So what we're doing, Grapeshot deeply inspects those pages pre-bid to identify the keyword and the relationship of those keywords to determine the meaning. Yeah. And that first level of brand safety that Grapeshot filters out uh, are things like content, and uh, content like crime and hate, speech, drugs, terrorism. We have sort of right. a, a 12 categories of what we call toxic brand content. But it's a custom, customized aspect that makes us really unique and real-time. And we also give total control over that, those brand safety settings so that um, brands who have very stringent content criteria can set tight controls. And for brands uh, that appear in more risky settings uh, and they're comfortable with that, they can loosen those settings if they want that kind of reach. We give them control over it. Right. Other companies don't. It's whitelists and blacklists. It's very binary. It's typically at the domain level. And the entire website sometimes blocked. Yes. But that's not fair because CNN might be a perfectly legitimate place to, it's just, you just block that one page right. or that article. Don't yeah. cut out everything. And it might not even really be toxic necessarily. It might just be a kind of news story which your brand's message just sits very uncomfortably with. That's exactly right. And one of our important customers who really push us and help drive us into creating new taxonomies around brand safety is Vice Media, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Vice is a, a great uh, partner of ours, and we're rolling out a really innovative and customized brand safety solution uh, for Vice's content. Think about Vice. It's a, they've got a beautiful business model. Yep. They're in multiple languages, global, on different platforms. Yep. And ergo, their name, Vice, is going to be sensitive content, right? That is what they're going after. A lot of things that one brand might consider unsafe, for them, that's what they, that's what they service. That's yep. the content they create. Um, but what we're doing is we're tapping into our brand safety solutions that Vice is able to give its advertisers the assurance that their brands will not be placed next to any content that they don't wish to be associated with. So Vice doesn't lose out yep. on all these great opportunities um, to uh, have their uh, content served next to a certain brand. And then, and then the brand gets control over the settings, uh, which gives them that sense of uh, instant brand safety. If, some, there, if, if there is breaking news, as I mentioned earlier, um, a brand can automatically change the settings to 
uh, course correct. Right, uh, that, that seems to be a very responsible approach, approach, and as you say, much more flexible than what I'm used to hearing about, which is, you know, give us give us a blacklist of websites you don't want to be associated with, which of course is, given the scale of the the World Wide Web is a moving target and just impractical. It is, and that's why we can't just educate the platforms. We have to work with traders, we work with planners, we also work with developers, because our signal is also available outside of our application as yep. an API, and show the developers how they can take advantage of that. But our core business is still the publishers, the brands, and the agencies, and we have all premium publishers who use Grapeshot. I mentioned Vice, but of course we've got AOL and Time and Daily Mail and Telegraph, Guardian, Hearst. Um, it goes on and on and on, and obviously there, it's quite important for them to have brand safety tools in their content as well, uh, and then when it goes into the programming environment, it's already preordained, if you will, yeah. and then we catch everything at the pre-bid level anyway. Yep. Um, but I, when I say everything, I want to be clear that there's no such thing as 100% brand safety. Sure. Even our filters, as good as they are, there will be, we have a statistic internally, I can't tell you, I, I can't challenge it, <laughs> but we have a, we, it's, it's one, of eight, one out of eight million chances right. that we could potentially serve and that, um, that might be inappropriate. But we have enough filters that even blocks that out, depending on how you want to dial it up and dial it down. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a matter of making the best you can out of a difficult situation, and this is a, a story which is going to be with us for a while, I think. Well, now imagine you're a brand, mm -hmm. like a large CPG company, and you have products around the world, and you have large media spends. How do you have a unified view about brand safety in APAC when you have yep. all the languages there yes. versus South America versus North America and in Europe? Only Grapeshot can cover all of those languages. And what we're trying to do is work with them in all their regions to, to create a standardized approach to brand safety. You might get it on high. We have to be brand safe, right? <laughs> but you know how hard it is at the operational level, at a very tactical day-to-day -day level, to be able to adjust and adapt to all the issues that could go on in a regional setting or a local setting. We have a product called Keyword Blacklisting. Mm -hmm. It's a custom brand safety. By allowing you to change those words that you want, that you want to exclude, you're, you're covered. And that crisis might last a day, yeah. it might last six months, but you need to be able to act quickly to adjust. And so this whole ecosystem of the brands, the agencies, the publishers, the planners, the traders, all have to collaborate and work together and know how to use the same tool set so they can all respond to it. Um, and that's, that's what we work vigorously towards. Okay, Kurt, that's a great insight into a very complicated and very challenging space where there's a lot happening. Thanks for sharing with us today. Thanks, Kim, for bringing me in. And everyone look out for the next one-on-one -on -one podcast.